Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success. Richmond Biz Live on WLEE 990 AM. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for one hour of engaging and informative solutions to achieve your dream. You can start by checking out our website at richmondbiz.com and download your program schedule. Do something important for yourself and clear your calendar. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLEE 990 AM for the most important hour in your week. Join us by calling 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZ-LIVE. You can go to our show site, richmondbizlive.com, and pick up our live feed. I'm your host, William Eastman, and I'm the managing partner of a Richmond-based small business growth company called the GrowthWorks. And we're going to be here with you every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLEE News Talk 990 to discuss how to survive and grow your business. What can you expect is probably where we need to start. And so we're going to basically talk about information that you can use, techniques that you can apply, and tools that will get the job done. And we're going to present to you a number of recognized thought leaders from the local Richmond area who are not only subject matter experts, but are also small business owners and entrepreneurs. In other words, we live our own advice, or as we say in the trade, we eat our own dog food. Um, Show's format. A couple things to expect here is one is we're going to operate in two-week cycles, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, because we have eight core topic areas. We're going to cover four today, and we're going to cover four next Saturday. That's the only way that we can get the information across. Each thought leader is going to have about ten minutes. Part of that is going to be uh, talking about the subject matter, and the rest of it's going to be open to your calls so that we can get into a Q&A with you. And, of course, we'll carry this conversation later on beyond the show, but I'll talk about that as we close. And then... Uh, we have every week we'll have a featured speaker, somebody who, uh, who is really a major player in business in Richmond who is here to help out the small business owner and entrepreneur. Um, this week, who do we have this week? I have Linda Heath, um, who is from Financial Holographics, who's going to be our first guest, um, and she's going to be talking about the financial aspects of running a small business. I've got Eric McCalma from uh, Firestarter, who's going to be talking about brand and is going to be talking about strategy. I have Mike Carroll from Sandler training, and Mike is going to be talking about sales and specifically the executive or owner's involvement in the sales process. Uh, I'm on next, and I'm going to be talking about owners and executive and kind of the insight of if you have not, uh, if you're not an escapee from a large corporation and you're a business owner that ha- does not have that experience, you're not used to changing a role as the company grows. And then finally, we're going to close it out with Mark Deutsch from Mark Deutsch uh, LLC, and what Mark's going to talk about is the resources available here in the area, in the Richmond area. Now, what's the show's premise? How does this get put together? Well, let me tell you about my Saturday, because my Saturdays drive uh, what I thought you would like to hear. Um, Four things I look at on a Saturday morning as I'm reminiscing about the week. One is, are we on plan? And on plan is really the sales issue. Uh, How are we managing the funnel? Did we get the leads in that we were supposed to have? Uh, Are we moved the accounts for? Did we close the deals? And did they close at what they were supposed to close? Number two is, are we on schedule? And that's about the projects, um, are, whether it's a contract or it's a new product that we're building. Uh, did we deliver on promise, and was it done correctly, and did we meet our cost targets? The third thing I look at is the status of cases, and cases are customer complaints and customer opinions about how well we're doing. What's the status? Have we resolved those? What was the root cause? And then finally, the last part of that, am I on budget? And when I'm on budget or off budget, it's all about finance. How am I managing my cash flow? What does my AR look like, my AP, et cetera? And so as I sat there on a Saturday thinking, you're no different than I am. And said, if that, you, it may not be Saturday, but there's some day of the week where you're sitting there going, how is the business going? We thought that that was what the show really should be about. So, again, our number is 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. And our four, first thought leader today is a good friend and colleague of mine, Linda Heath from Financial Holographics. Welcome to the show, Linda. Bill, good morning. I'm glad to be here. Um, so let's start off, since nobody knows any of us, uh, we got to tell our stories as we do the show. 
Uh, tell me about yourself and Financial Holographics. Well, I will. But on a personal note, dog food, really? We eat our own dog food? I'm a cat person. I eat cat food with fewer beaks than feet. And I'm the founder and president of Financial Holographics. We are experts in accounting and finance for middle market companies. Our mission is to transform the way these companies are managed and financed. Our niche is getting companies bankable, and our philosophy is that you should not have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Awesome. I, uh, I, you and I have had this conversation a long time, and it, it, where I'd like to kind of uh, start with is this issue of, of financial legacy. And when I ask a question to the business owners I work with, I get kind of a blank stare, like, what are you talking about? And so the question I pose to them is that, so your, your legacy, your long-term plan is on Monday morning the staff's going to come in and find you dead at the desk. And, of course, that's not the answer that they want to give me. Not a good answer. But still they're going, uh, I haven't thought about it. So let's start there. Let's talk about that. Perfect. So the way I'd like to frame it is, first of all, do you have a plan for getting out of your business on your terms? I think that's a key. And then the second thing is, how do you want your economic contribution remembered when you're done? Um, and I actually struggled a little bit when you gave me this topic to relate the idea of legacy to the discipline of business finance. Everyone thinks that's so boring, and I just love it. The numbers talk to me. But um, I thought about some Richmond success stories to kind of put it in context. And the first people who come to mind are the restaurateurs and the chefs around town that we hear so much about in Richmond distance. Um, every time they move, open, close, change a restaurant, there's a lot of talk by, in the community, and I'm always amazed at how much um, involvement there is. But um, these people have created a name for themselves, and so the idea of reputation and legacy are closely related. Good reputations are built on doing something extremely well, and it's in other people's opinion. Another example would be what I call legacy in the making, and that would be the success of Sweet Frog. My husband and I discovered Sweet Frog one hot summer day, and then all of a sudden I was aware of all the yogurt shops cropping up around Richmond. And um, I think we've all had a lot of fun watching yogurt wars in the news, and we all laughed when we saw that picture of a business under construction, a building under construction with the big sign, um, this is not another yogurt shop. And now the cycle's gone so far that some of them are closing, but one of the success stories is Sweet Frog. They're actually exporting their success throughout the country in the form of franchising. And that brings to mind the classic book by Emis, the Emis by yeah. Kipperger. Have you read that? I have. In fact, uh, one of the premises of the show is we've got to get the business owners out of working in the business, doing the work, and working on the business. Otherwise, you'll never get to that end game. Exactly. And that's and so what Sweet Frog has accomplished is they're, they're putting together a playbook that other people can use to build a business and make money. And then, of course, I guess the third example in Richmond has got to be a financial legacy has got to be Ucross. That is a great, great story. I think it's what we all aspire to, but we don't all achieve. But they started out as a fruit and veggie stand by the founders, and then they grew into a respectable grocery store, local grocery store chain run by second generation, and then they became a force to be reckoned with. They started kicking major national chains out of Richmond. Do you remember Safeway? Um, I kind of remember them. Kind of like AP. Exactly. And then they became thought leaders and innovators in their industry, brought in successfully the third generation, and finally they sold to the strategic buyer. Um, But the good news is for them, they also got to keep the business. They're still around. The name is still around. They sold the retail division. They kept the wholesale division. And um, that's truly a financial legacy. Yeah, they, they remind me a lot as a Florida kid growing up, uh, Publix. And what Ucrops was able to do, and one of the things that we will not get to here on, on the financial segment, but later on when we get into the customer piece, is the, the, the loyalty that they were able to build. I mean, I can tell you today what the theme of public stores are. Really? Okay? Are you going We're to? Shopping is a pleasure. There you go. I will drive 15 or 20 miles out of the way while I'm home in Florida mm-hmm. to go to a public store over any other food store. Does it make any sense? No, it doesn't, except I don't buy anything but at Publix. So I understand what Ucrops was able to do, and that is critical to build a legacy. It is, and I remember people talking about Ucrops. My first experience was a snowy day, and the guy walked out with me with my groceries, and while I was unlocking the car, I turned around, and he had wiped my windows down, and I was a Ucrops fan forever. And so, you know, what I would say, the difference um, in these founders and owners is that they made a conscious decision to professionally manage their companies. And I know that's what you're getting at and why you put this show together. Um, it paid off just like the American dream is supposed to. But um, your 80-15-5 research shows that most businesses aren't making it. They're what we call struggling. And I want to say struggling is a euphemism for slowly falling off the cliff. Yeah, the kind of, kind of the zombie companies that they're dead but they don't know it yet. Yeah, and, and, and the 5-15-80 is going to be a theme that you're going to be hearing on the show uh, throughout the year. And it, I'll share that research later, but it basically is this. 
There are 5% of the small businesses in the United States, or really North America, who make up the elite. They're market owners, market dominators. They're doing well financially. Um, they are the, the, the company to beat. On the other end of the spectrum, there's 80% who are just barely hanging on. And what's really crazy is five years ago, when the economy really was bad, or maybe even seven years ago, the bad companies left. Well, I'll tell you what, now there are a lot of good companies struggling because we've cleaned out and the economy is still difficult. The 15%, the people in between, are the ones that are doing all right but haven't figured out what they're going to do next and aspire to be a 5%er. They just don't know what to do. They don't know how to do that. And unfortunately, my observations as being a commercial banker is that founder-run companies typically are not professionally managed. And I don't know if it's that they don't want to or they can't or they haven't figured out, but I hope we can help them with that. Um, and what happens is it's really hard for them to get capital, and they need that to realize that dream. You don't become a U-Crops or a sweet frog or anything else without having resources backing you up. Um, and then it's worse when they get ready to retire. I have seen the heartbreak when they want to sell and they can't, and they just end up liquidating. For example, a few years ago, my husband wanted to buy a business and get back into business again, and he knew startups are too hard, they're too expensive, it's the hardest job you'll ever buy for yourself, and it takes too long. Um, so we, he, went, he went shopping. We went to business brokers, and I said, honey, I'll underwrite the, the stray kittens you bring home. So how did that turn out? Bill, <laughs> the asking prices were staggering compared to the weaknesses that I saw in their business models. And so guess what? My husband didn't get to buy a business. <laughs> but the <laughs> interesting thing was about six months after we turned down one opportunity, we saw the closed liquidating sign, and we learned that the owners just um, backed out of it and went to, out west to um, – be with their grandkids, and I don't think that was the financial legacy that they envisioned when they No, they probably did not think that liquidating was the way they were going to go out. Right. Uh, Linda, in your intro, you, measure, uh, you mentioned success as being in the eyes of the beholder of other people. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, this is an a call, interactive call show, and if we were to poll our listeners right now, it would probably take four to five calls to get the correct answer to what is the one the absolute thing that a company, every company must have to be successful, and the answer is customers. What you need is profitable customers beating a path to your, beating a path to your door and um, coming back and hopefully now with social media spreading the word to other companies. And then what we see on the finance side of the business is we'll see profitable financial statements and a good net worth. Okay. Um, uh, you mentioned that uh, Ucrops was sold to a strategic buyer. Talk a little more about that. Uh, if, if I'm building a company to sell, which I'm not sure I am, I think I want to take it public, but that's a different story. Aren't they all strategic buyers? Well, taking it public is a form of selling. Oh, okay. But, no, they are not strategic buyers. There are strategic buyers. There are financial buyers. There are internal buyers. There are family buyers. And then there's the dreaded buyers who can't get financing to pay for your business. Because <laughs> the ones who want to buy it. <laughs> well, I was an SBA lender. I know how that game works. Um, the strategic, strategic buyers are the ones who pay the American Dream prices. They have more zeros, more commas, and um, you just have to prove your business is worth it. But the founder-owned companies, they're the ones that are going to sell to the financial and internal buyers. And these are people who don't have a strategic advantage to bring. The only thing they bring to the table is their willingness to work hard. And you know what one of my customers said to me? Linda, you know why I love owning my own business even though I have to work 70 hours a week? I get to pick which 70. <laughs> and, of course, with technology, I can do it anytime, anyplace. Uh Anything else that you would like to leave with uh, with our listeners uh, just really, to our topic today? Just really quickly is you don't want your buyer's bank to figure out what your financial legacy is worth. And the whole goal here is to bring to, into play interdisciplinary um, elements of success for business. Tell our listeners they can't pick and choose, and uh, we hope that they'll be very active, challenge what they hear, and tell us their story so that we can build financial legacies and build this, our businesses together. Awesome. Hey, uh, Linda, how can people get in touch with you? We're at financial, www.financialholographics.com. Our phone number is 804-674-1800, and I would be more than happy to talk with anyone. Okay, and we'll have the show notes from Linda's segment. We'll have those up today at uh, richmondbizlive.com. Thank, thank you so much, Bill. Hey, thanks, Remember, Linda. financial holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Linda. President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 
80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hi, my name is Eric McCalma, CEO of the Firestarter Group. With over 75 years of collective experience, our team of experts works relentlessly to uncover your organization's unique identity, focusing on the most effective means of communicating your brand. We believe successful branding establishes an emotional connection between an organization and its target audiences. The days of old business models are over. It's time to rethink your business. Welcome to Firestarter. Visit us at firestartergroup.com or richmondbizlive.com and take our complimentary 30-second brand audit to gauge where your brand is at today. Okay, we're back. By the way, if you want to join us on, on uh, live on the phone, uh, 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZLIVE. I'd like to introduce our next guest, a good friend of mine who we've been working together uh, here for the last year. Eric McCama from uh, Firestarter, and Eric is going to talk a little bit about branding and strategy. But before I start, uh, Eric, talk a little bit about yourself and the company. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, uh, my name is Eric McCama. I'm the CEO and founder of Firestarter Group. Uh, it's a company that I had started six years ago, um, and since then we've uh, expanded outside of Richmond uh, basically for the last two years and really focused on minority-owned businesses and focusing also on, on companies that are uh, either disadvantaged or um, looking at a different way of going about business. Okay, so uh, kind of one of the premises that uh, that you and I share, in fact, uh, when we have Mike Carroll on here shortly uh, from Sandler Training, we talk about uh, branding and, and uh, strategy and uh, marketing sales, that whole area, is that the primacy, the importance, the criticality of branding. Speak to that. Why is Why is branding probably the most important thing that you can do? Absolutely. Branding is the most important thing you could do as a business owner because especially in this day and age uh, with, with technology and, and uh, the Internet and the power of um, even the smartphone has really drastically changed uh, the landscape of business altogether. The days of the old business models are over. Um, that's something that we like to preach. Uh, in fact, a small business owner can directly compete with a Fortune 500 on any given day depending on how strong their product is. Um, it always depends on the quality of your service, your work, or, the, or whatever you, your service offering is for your clients. And because of the power of the Internet and the technology today, it's very important that you present yourself not only with a great image, but really um, a solid core, uh, a, a true, um, what we like to call uh, the seeds of an apple almost, uh, is, is a good way to, to think about it. Because when you think of an apple, it's very much like any other business. What most, most, most people do when they go into a grocery store is they look at two types of different apples, right? When you're looking for an apple, you look at, one, the apples that are in the corner, uh, brightly lit, um, nice, clean, and pristine, and, and consumers tend to go towards those apples because they're right under the, the brightly dim light, and they're able to examine it top to bottom and pick out the best apples to their liking. And then you have another set of apples that are just wrapped up tightly in a bag on the corner. And the funny thing is, people pay premium for the ones that are in the corner based off of the image that it's been given. And in, in consumers' minds, it's really about image. But what we like to say is that image is not everything. It's just the beginning. And it really matters on what the core values of your company is and, and who you are and how you want to be known in the public. That is the most important piece, and that is where real branding is. It's not just an image. It's actually who you are and everything you do. Yeah, in fact, that was... Uh that whole conversation on that topic is what uh, got us working together was my experience. I'm not a branding expert other than I just, you know, buy from companies with great brands. But I've done a lot of work on the area of organizational values is that the values of the company have to be the same as the brand. In other words, the brand is the external expression of the core principles, operating principles or values of the company. And the brand has to be how they do business inside. So many companies put a brand out there. And then the customer does not experience it, whether it's uh, dealing with the sales force, dealing with people in customer service, or dealing with the product. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because the great David Martin, the late David Martin as well, uh, of the Martin Agency, the company that has obviously uh, owned uh, the Walmart account, uh, Target, and, and Geico, you name it, um, they're a mainstay in, in the, the marketing world here in Richmond. And the reason why is because he used to preach 
uh, this saying, which is um, branding is an expectation of performance. And there's a huge difference between setting expectations, which most marketing campaigns handle, but setting expectations of performance is a completely different level because your employees internally, your staff, have to live the brand before your customers can live the brand. And that messaging is very important, which is why the brand identity is always directly connected with your brand message. Okay. Because I find that the, what all this does is it really provides a clarity of purpose within the organization Absolutely. so that everybody who works there knows why they're there and everybody who buys from that company knows why they're there. But it even has an impact on what suppliers you get. Because a lot of suppliers are getting picky about they want to do business with the best companies because it's a brand association. If you're a supplier, you want to say, I do business with so-and-so. I remember going back to a couple of uh, careers ago that we were trying to do some customer service work with Kmart, and we finally pulled out because we realized Kmart was not going to fix themselves, and we did not want to be associated with their brand. Sorry, Kmart people, but that, that was just the reality of spending a month in Troy, Michigan. Um, so you guys at Firestar, how, how do you go about that? How do, you, how do you guys go about creating that clarity of purpose and branding? Give me some ideas. Well, we have a, um, uh, a system that we call the SDPM, which essentially is a, a four-set stage um, type process. And it's, it's very more intricate than it sounds with a four-step uh, process because um, in every single level, we always focus on branding uh, in a strategic, with a strategic purpose. Uh, everything needs to be strategic in, in everything you do. And the reason why we do that is because we want to be very purposeful no matter what type of campaign we're working on. And it's a great uh, business model for, for any business to take on as long as you keep everything within your strategic uh, branding uh, and, and you set yourself with goals and, and parameters and metrics. Um, you will be a very successful business no matter what size you are. And um, after that, we go to the development and then production and management phase. And essentially what that does is in it actually it, it brings in the creative process uh, together with the strategic. And when the strategic and the creative process come together, that's when the beauty happens. Okay. Um, how, how, do you, how, how do you create that clarity of purpose? I want to hone in on it a little bit more. How do you get the company to say, this is who we are? Well, um, it's, it's actually a very methodical process that we go through. Uh, our uh, chief brand strategist, Charles Colley, uh, and our team of advisors, including uh, Mr. Sam Hayes, who's our director of business development. Uh, these two individuals have a worth, uh, uh, sorry, um, a world of knowledge that we put to the plate uh, in front of every client. Now, uh, given the fact that we've worked with some very big organizations, um, Sam has done a lot of, of work with the state and federal government, uh, helping different uh, businesses uh, from top to bottom all across Virginia. And Charles has also worked internationally with uh, national and international brands. We've really taken their wealth of experience as well as uh, our other consultants and put that in, in a series of um, branding sessions is what we call it. And what we do is we, we truly take uh, our time looking into the, kind of the heart and soul of each, each client. And what we do is we take these different sessions. Um, we essentially have one or two hour sessions uh, in a period of three to four um, uh, meetings with, with the client. And essentially that gives us kind of the, the, the ground level foundation of understanding their business. And this is very important for us because for us as brand developers, we're, we're consulting a client trying to understand how to communicate their business. And one of the biggest uh, mistakes that a lot of other firms do is that um, when you sacrifice quality in terms of understanding your client, you're really hurting their client's uh, uh, campaign in the future. And the reason why we say that is because no one knows our client's businesses more than them. And it's very important for us to understand it just as much as them before we apply any creative processes or campaigns beyond that. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a lot more over the next uh, couple of months, uh, Eric, about branding and strategy. We'll talk branding for a while, and then we'll move into the strategic pieces. But uh, for, for our listeners, before uh, you sign off, how, how do they get a hold of you? How do they contact you, and uh, how can you help? Fantastic. Well, uh, the best way to reach us is actually going to our website. Uh, you can go to our website at www.firestartergroup.com. Once again, that's www.firestartergroup.com, and uh, feel free to uh, contact us through there. Um, there's also booking and inquiries if you need any uh, special assessment of your, your brand. So feel free to catch us over there. Okay. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. And, um, and uh, what I'm going to do now is I, I just want to close uh, with a couple of thoughts, and then I'm going to introduce our next guest, and that is for, for everybody out there is the, 
this is probably one of the most important pieces about the long-term future of your business. And that is that to get that this brand, this external branding and internal branding around organizational values together. It's a theme that you're going to hear from us over the next couple of weeks. And if you'd like to join us now as I introduce my next guest, you can, you can join us live at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZ-LIVE. Now I'd like to introduce a, another colleague and friend and somebody that I've worked with for a good many years which means that we're probably old. Uh, Mike Carroll from Sandler Training. How you doing, Mike? Good, Bill. Good. Very excited to be here on Rich- Richmond Business Live. Uh, yeah, I think we probably do have seniority. Yeah, when I look around the age of some of the people, especially when we get into tech next week, um, yeah, they could easily be our kids. Well, anyway, enough of that. Uh, Mike, before we get into the area of, of marketing and sales, um, talk a little bit about yourself and Sandler Training. How does this all happen? Well, as uh, as we indicated, being senior, I spent really my first 40, 34 years uh, in business started from frontline sales right on through uh, starting a foundation, so forth, uh, a, a distribution company. Now, at Sandler Training, really the last 14 years I've spent there uh, at Sandler as an owner, coach, trainer, consultant, and we really go in and work with successful companies and individuals uh, that are maybe having some challenges in their growth. And it might be they're not bringing enough new business or putting out lots of proposals, not closing them, pipeline not moving. And we go in and work with management and uh, and the sales teams to really determine what are the most effective, efficient behaviors for them to be executing to be successful in accomplishing the goals and objectives. And then, really, the hard work starts. Yeah. And that is... Uh, going in and getting these behaviors and techniques applied. And our approach is long-term reinforced training with lots of practice. Yeah, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen your training. It is very intensive and a lot of follow-up. And where most training programs fall apart is it's a one-time shot. You know, we, in the training industry, we call it sheep dipping. Sure. You know, one sheep has got fleas, let's, uh, let's dip them all. Sure. Um, so uh, let's start with the, the issue of, What's the number one reason, from your experience, that small businesses are failing to get sufficient sales to stay in business? Sure. And, you know, Bill, I think it goes back to uh, a topic that, the, you know, focused really around the involvement of executives in the sales process. You know, such a, as a founder, owner, CEO, or president, you know, and, you know, another topic that we want to put, so we're looking at participation of senior management, but the, the other thing we also got to identify in the very early stages is, um, you know, the key components of identifying the most effective sales model to present your products and offering, offerings to the marketplace. Amen. I, could, I, I feel like I'm at church right now. I could not say right. amen enough to that, that the, the small businesses that I work with, they're clueless about, this whole idea of what sales model, they don't even know what the sales model options are, let alone what right. will apply. Right. So talk about that. Sure. Well, you know, again, let's, if we look at there, you know, the kind of the saying, the bottom, the bottom line growth starts at the top. I think that's the key. That, that, and, you know, as an owner, you really have got to determine, you know, what is your effective sales model. So as you said, and, Really, there's about four different models out there. It could be a commodity type of model, transactional sale, short sale cycle, could be consultative uh, type of sale, more involved in solution development with the client or prospect. Uh, you've got account management type models. You know, all of these are very important. And I tell you, the real importance of determining that model and executive involvement is once you've got your model, and, of course, your model is going to really be dictated by the buyers, your customers. Okay. Okay? So you're saying, Mike, that uh, the, the, the sales model that I select is driven by who I sell to. Absolutely. And, and, and that means that you've got to understand the behaviors and the buying processes of your target markets because they're the people that are going to dictate. Okay. And believe me, it's been a lot of changes, as, as Eric mentioned. Oh, yeah. In fact, you and I were talking about the models, and I heard models from you that I hadn't heard before. And it's only been a couple of years since I was more intimately involved in the sales process. Uh, the other thing you hit on was this whole 
uh, executive involvement in sales. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that that what I see, and there's lots of reasons sometimes in small and mid-sized business. I, I, I was one of those people 30 years ago, I guess it was, 25, not that long ago. Not that long ago, yeah. 20 years ago, Mike. But the key is, unfortunately, um, I was a sales-oriented type of individual. But in most businesses, they're started, and executives kind of get away from the involvement in the sales process. So, I mean, they've got, you really have to determine, know and understand your customer and what their buying processes are. And, again, that will define your sales strategies. So I think that when you really look at what executives should be focused on, um, and they're they're probably asking their question, how involved should I be? Yeah, no, they do. They ask me that all the time. Well, and I think that the data shows and I think I've heard you even reference this. The data shows that that uh, the companies that have grown to sustainable size and to long term, uh, there was executive participation yeah. in the process, in the sales process. Yeah, and, it, and the thing that I had learned, and this was kind of a personal, I learned this by myself because I tried to hire a sales force in my first company, and it didn't work, was you got this thing, this risk-trust equation. And in that equation is that when people don't know you, they actually have to take a risk because they don't they don't know if they can trust you to deliver on what you say you can do. And one of the ways to close the gap in the risk is for the owner to sell, to look the owner in the eye and have that individual reach their hand across with a handshake saying, we will deliver the goods. Yeah. 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 No, and, and that's the key, I think, that that the level of involvement of the executive really determines on where you are in the life cycle of your business. Okay, hey, we uh, looks like we got a call. Oh, we good. Got, uh, Jason in Richmond, and so I just pushed this button here, and we're in. Uh, Jason, welcome to uh, Richmond Biz Live. How can I help you, mate? Hey, Jason, this is. Um, I'm sorry, hey, I'm kind of nervous. Here's my first time calling in. Uh, my name is Jason. I am a uh, new business owner here in the Richmond area, and I want to know the sales process. I've never done sales before. I've always been more involved on the technical side, always doing the work for my business. But now that I have to actually go out and meet people and do the sales, does the sales ever get easy? What's the mentality of it? I always feel uncomfortable doing sales. Do you have any tips and advice to just ease this down? (laughs) Well, Jason, let me first say that anyone getting a sales for the first time, is having the same comfort zone challenges that you're having. So, you know, the thing I would say is is, is to put a plan together. Uh, and when I say that, as Bill and I were talking earlier, understand what your strategy is, how you want to go to market to, to get in front of your customers. I mean, that's a marketing function, but once we get in front of them, you know, are we going to be out prospecting, you know, and, and looking for new relationships? You know, and have we really defined your ideal target, okay? But the, but the key there is to get the processes down and to, and to recognize, get a good set of questions, you know, have a, have a set of, of, of questions and a process that you will follow, and then you practice it. I mean, that's really the thing that we work with lots of folks on. You know, when you, you go to hear people do their 30-second commercial and they get up, and most of us are uncomfortable with that until we... We kind of outline it. I don't like the word scripts, but I do like to outline things, and then you practice it. You know, record yourself, listen to yourself, practice with other people. You can you can overcome it. I, I will tell you that. Okay, so you're saying just with enough practice, I'll overcome it, because it seems like I'm never going to overcome it, but I guess that would make sense. <laughs> well, if you go to our website at focusbusiness.sandler.com, Again, focus business at sandler.com. There's a number of white pages, white papers out there. There's good information. And feel free to call me. I mean, that's what I do. You know, I'm again, I'm an old guy. So I'm out to help folks, especially young folks, be successful. Yeah, and I think I'll add what, what, what Mike said about that, uh, Jason, is the, as somebody who's worked in training uh, for a good many years, I understand the angst of getting in front of a, a large group of people and talking, and what I found to raise my confidence level is know what you're going to talk about dead before you walk in. If you know that there's nothing about your product, your offer, your company, 
or their organization that you're going to get asked that you can't answer, then you're going to be in great shape because you're going to be relaxed, and that's where you want to be. You want to be knowledgeable but relaxed because my experience is if you look like you're desperate for sales, nobody is buying. Well, another thing, Jason, okay. is, is to try to break down uh, your approach into behaviors, okay, behaviors and activities, and then commit to execute those. Okay, thanks, Jason. Thanks for the call. Um, closing thoughts, Mike. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, um, how, how do they reach you guys there at Sandler, besides waiting for two weeks for the next show? Sure. The, the website, uh, Focus Business, that's F-O-C-U-S, like Focus on Microsoft, Focus Business. .sandler.com. I think I incorrectly yep, gave that you got You got that. Yeah. So, and then the phone number, 804, is 217-9507, uh, and call with any questions. And, uh, you know, we'd be happy to share information. We're about sharing information. That's really what we did. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Thank Appreciate you, it. We'll be right back. Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, The Three Biggest Sales Mistakes You Should Never Make. In this report, discover these unprotective sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales results. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. Welcome back to Richmond Biz Live. Reach us, talk to us, join us, 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. Okay, now I get my turn. It's my segment. Uh, uh, I talked a little bit about myself before, just very briefly, is that I've spent 35 years in the consulting industry. Um, first 25 years was in large corporate consulting very lucrative, not a lot of fun because you never see anything really happen. And I, I, I talked a little bit about Kmart. I have worked for some very good companies and some very bad companies. Also is I'm a serial entrepreneur. I just relaunched my company, GrowthWorks, uh, from a previous company, so I'm not sure if this is my sixth or seventh startup. But if we count, we, we'll use the number six to keep the number even. I've had two great successes, two absolutely devastating failures, and two that are just middling. So, you know, talking about whether it's eating your own cat food or dog food, I completely get the the concept. What we what we offer to you and what we do individually in our practices is what we practice in our companies. And so uh, we know this stuff inside and out, and if I didn't do it, I wouldn't say it. So this segment here is one that we didn't have in our original programming, um, but it, it, it came to me as I was working with a client. I have a, a, a good client and a friend of mine down in southwestern Virginia in manufacturing. And the struggles that he is having, he's got all the right instincts in trying to make the right moves, but he, the new role demands things of him that I'm not saying he doesn't have the ability to do, but I'm saying he doesn't know even know what they are. And so that's why we came up with this idea of owner as executive, because if you look at an organization, there's two ways that your role changes in an organization. One, if you work in a large corporation, your role changes because you typically get promoted. And when you get promoted, that requires a different set of skills. In a, in a small business, uh, because roles are not that set, especially for the owner, is the changes that uh, are, you're driven to are ones that are based upon the demands of the business at the moment. And so I want to take that theme and I want to work with it for the next seven weeks because the number one reason that small businesses fail, it's something we call the founder trap. And what the founder trap means is that you got to where you are because of who you are. And so all of the good of you has driven the company to whatever the numbers are, the number of employees, etc. Now you're stagnant. You cannot get any larger because the things that made you good 
are the things that now get in the way. And if the founder can't train, and it starts with mindset, if the founder can't change their mindset and then their behavior, the company is doomed to be that big if, in fact, it can survive. And so I want to take that theme over the next seven shows that I'm going to do with this, and I want to kind of expand that out. So let's, let's start with the first piece here. What changes with the owner? Well, the first thing that happens is the owner has got to change from looking at the world tactically to looking, thinking more strategically. Now, you know, we talked about the, the issue of working in and on the business. I think Linda, in her presentation, talked about Michael Gerber and the e-myth. And the e-myth is the issue of small business owners always working in the business, doing the work, and never really worrying about the future because they don't have the time. So part of this is i got to make the time to work on the business. Now, what does that look like? Well, right now, most small businesses run, if you had to draw a picture of how the command and communications work, it's hub and spoke. The owner is the, the hub, and then you got all these spokes sticking out from the sides where you individually direct everybody. Well, you got 8, 10, maybe 15 people you could pull that off. But I'll tell you what, you get a company of 40 or 50 people, I do wish you luck. And so what has to happen is you've got to move from the mindset and the behavior of directly supervising work to becoming the person who drives the building and then monitoring of processes. What's your process for selling? What's your process for building whatever it is that you make, that you sell to people? Or what is your process for delivering services? And what you become now is a monitor of a process. Uh, because otherwise, you can't simply manage any type of long, complicated process. The other thing is that instead of becoming a direct supervisor of frontline people, you have now brought in some layer of management, and now you become a coordination point. You know what you're trying to get, and you're making sure that all the managers have the clarity of how they're doing their jobs. Now, what's their job? Their job is to manage the process to make it work. Okay. So what does it look like? Well, it looks like two things. One is involvement. How, how do you get involved? Now, I'm sure as a small business owner you're involved, so it's not about getting involved. It's about changing the nature of your involvement and in some ways backing out. And so you're going to move from getting work done to the building of processes that you know that if the process is followed and you're measuring the metrics that will tell you whether or not that is the case, in fact, it's the, the job is happening correctly. And the other part of that is sharing the work vision. Uh, you know, we talked about branding with Eric, and I think it's critical that this is one of the places it starts, is that what does smart work look like? Everybody can work an 80-hour week, you know, unless you're over 70. You can, you can, you can go to work with the, the, the bucket of blood and the pound of flesh mentality, and hard work will get it done. Well, you don't have enough people in an organization, and hopefully you've got too many opportunities. So how do we work smart? How, how should people work in this organization? And that starts with you. You're the person that's got to share that. So that's kind of my thoughts on that topic. Uh, I'm going to expand upon that on our website, which is um, www.growthworks.com. And by the way, it's G-R-O-W-T-H hyphen W-O-R-X.com. I'm going to expand upon that uh, to great detail. We've got a blog and all, all the necessary stuff that you would have there. Uh, next week, what I'm going to be doing next week is I'm going to be talking about the issue of of building respect for yourself and for leadership in the firm and how to inspire people to go beyond what's required in the job. And so that's what I've got for my little missive here, owner's executive. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like to introduce, a, and if you're getting the team here, another close friend of mine, uh, Mark Deutsch of Mark Deutsch uh, LLC, I believe is the name of the company. Uh, Mark, I've known Mark a good many years, and he's been a lot of places. So let me start with uh, Mark because our featured guest. And, Mark, talk a little bit about yourself and about your business ventures as of right now. Sure, great. And, Bill, thanks a lot for having me, and, and good morning, and thanks a lot, Richmond, for, for listening in. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. My business is, is pretty straightforward. I consider myself a connector of small businesses to small business resources, and I do that. Most people describe me as a serial entrepreneur. I've got my hands in a handful of companies, and I advise a couple dozen companies around town. But at the end of the day, my passion is to create jobs by creating new entrepreneurs. Okay, and um, I know that uh, from your connections with BNI, with uh, Gangplank, and a lot of places, um, I thought the best way to use the time that we have uh, to us at the close of the show is for you to share with people some of the resources that are available 
And I think if, if you're an existing business owner, what where are the one or two or three places that you'd absolutely go to to get help and support here in the greater Richmond area? Sure, great great question. The first thing I would do is, is really advise people. There are a couple of great resources out there. Uh, one of those is a report created by an entity in town that the city of Richmond started, the Economic Development Authority, called Advantech, which is right now rebranding as RVA Works. Uh, they created a great report on all the new business support services around town, of which they calculated more than 50 different resources. They put them into one concise report, as well as a great map of the Richmond Innovation Ecosystem that VCU Squared put together, which is a relatively new entity. And both of those are available for no charge for free on the gangplankrva.org website at the very top of the page. Okay. Talk a little bit about Gangplank before you talk about some of the resources. Sure, yeah, Gangplank is really my, my passion. It's what I do for fun, what I really do to make a difference in the marketplace. It's a concept started out in Phoenix, Arizona, a different perspective on uh, how to grow the local economy, and it's effectively a community center for entrepreneurs that myself and a partner named Mike Vizdos brought out here to the Richmond marketplace, and we provide an environment for entrepreneurs in the form of infrastructure, a place to work where there's no charge to be there. All we trade in is social capital. You have to be willing to pay it forward, help other folks out with your skill set in exchange for participating in that community. And we've got two locations, one in the Scotts Edition area and one we just opened up recently in the uh, RVA Works Advantech building as well. well we, we, just, we had a caller in uh, on the sales segment, Jason, and uh, Jason was a business guy that had, had a good tech background but was worried about how to get into the sales world and how to sell his business. So let's take somebody like a Jason. What would you do for Jason if he was to come down to game point? If you just come down to Gangplank, we're really connecting people together. So someone like a Jason, for example, would plug into the community, get to know the community, let them get to know him by participating in the group, and simply express, here's what I'm interested in learning about. I'm interested in selling my business, acquiring a business, improving these skill set. Who out of this community has that skill set or experience and would be willing to share that resource with me? And once you get plugged in, people seem to appear that are willing to help you out. So it's very unstructured, very informal, but great things are happening down there. Great. I, I'm sorry, I cut you off before. What are some of the other resources besides uh, uh, Vantech and uh, Gangplank? Sure. The, those are the two that I really would recommend to get plugged into, where okay. the biggest challenge I find for most entrepreneurs, as you expressed, it's the founder's mentality, as Linda expressed earlier, lack of customers is a challenge as well. Another big challenge is it's just so hard to navigate all the stuff that is out there. So I, I boiled it down for this segment into a couple different areas. One of those would be in terms of physical space. So I encourage people always to get out of their house, get out of the coffee shops, and go work in a collaborative work environment. Uh, there's a wealth of different co-working spaces that are called here in the Richmond area that are popping up, which are great. Gangplank is a great place to go where there's no charge to participate in a co-working collaborative environment. So space is one thing I would great, recommend that people look at. Uh, another one is to look at networking events. There's no storage. On average in Richmond alone, though, how many networking events would you say there are on a daily basis in town? Uh, probably 10 to 15. If you look at uh, Times Dispatch, uh, Metro Richmond business section, probably 10 to 15 events daily just for networking. Absolutely. That's right. I calculated about 30 to 40 events a day. Wow. The Metro business section is, is a great resource. That's my highly recommended resource for the single best place to find out what is out there but by no means is it complete because it relies on people to submit their events to the paper to get them published. But that's a great place to start is to consider that. But there's no shortage of stuff to go to, so be highly selective in what you go to. Look at the Times Dispatch, great resource. Classroom instruction is another great place. And Advantech I find to be one of the best programs in town. So they have a new program called the, uh, the, Enter the Entrepreneurship Institute, I believe it's called, where they run you through a classroom environment. You come out of that with a business plan, with a mentor, and maybe most importantly is funding through the relationship with Kiva Zip, which is another area that I recommend. Oh, yeah, I, great I, yeah, and I, I did a lot of work with uh, Denby, Department of uh, Minority Business Enterprises, and worked a lot with Eva, which is a whole different arena. Um, we'll, we'll probably have to have a show just on working with uh, the state of Virginia because mm -hmm. as a small business person, I wouldn't tell you not to do it. What I, what I would say to you is this is that the processes, especially the sales process, the bandit to do business with the state are such that it's different than selling into the private sector, and you better have, you, you, you better be able to, have to to deploy the resources, otherwise you'd be wasting your time. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Uh, Mark, in, in your closing comments, um, it sounds like you're a person that everybody ought to know. How do, you get, how do you get in touch with you? Great. The best way to get in touch with me is my website, which is markdeutsch.com, which is also on 
the, uh, the program website to take a look at the link. My yep. personal cell number, folks, is 804-338-3987. Give me a call. I'd love to grab a cup of coffee and share some ideas. Awesome. And, by the way, everything that we do in the show notes are going to be up on the website today, and so you'll have that information to track it down. Thanks, Mark. Good seeing you, man. Thanks so much, Bill. Appreciate All right. Well, I got a, I've got a couple minutes here to close out before we get to the top of the hour and uh, the news. Uh, let me say this uh, about the first show. It's a lot of logistics and a lot of work has been done um, to do this, but I greatly appreciate the help that I got from people at WLEE, um, uh, News Talk 990 AM, Jim Jacobs, and, and the staff here, uh, Selvin, Billy, uh, Ryan, helping us get this whole thing put together, Brian, and get it on the air. Um, now I'm happy because now we just got to do it rather than all the logistics. But we're going to run this like a business. So all the all the work that we've put into any business, we put into this. Uh, the closing thought is where we're going with the the eight segments is that today you heard four. You heard finance. You heard brand and strategy. You heard marketing, sales, owners, executive. Next week we're going to be talking about thought leadership. A little different than brand is that um, Eric's view of branding is going to be mostly from the corporate perspective. Uh, Mary Foley of Bodacious Ventures is going to be on, and Mary's going to be talking about personal branding, which is just as important as branding the company. Uh, then we're going to have Andy Schulich talking about operations, which is all going to be about quality. And my guess is that Andy's focus is going to be how you employ the principles of lean manufacturing to a small business, regardless if you make a thing or you deliver service. Then uh, we've got the Wetron um, from Firestarter, who's going to be talking about information technology. Really cool because... Um, I'll tell you what, you want to be able to stay small and act big, invest in technology to make that happen. Um, and then what we have is I'm going to be doing a segment on the whole HR function, being a former uh, executive uh, director of HR. I've got a few years' experience at that. So I'm going to be talking about the demands of being H, uh, running HR for the owner, or a different way of saying it is, you're the owner and you don't have an HR director, well, I'm going to see if I can play that role. And so when you take the eight weeks together, what's going to happen is that collectively this information is going to be made available to you every week. It's going to be up on our website, uh, Richmond Biz Live, where you'll be able to download the latest set of show notes. And then um, each one of our, our thought leaders are going to be having some information uh, that uh, – around their particular pieces, podcasts, and things like that. So, anyway, I greatly appreciate uh, you coming on the show, and um, I'm going to start off uh, the next show talking about this whole 51580 model. By the way, go to the website. If you're more interested in 51580, um, I will post uh, an article that we'll discuss next Saturday. So, for all the people here at uh, Richmond Biz Live, I appreciate uh, you joining us. And I'll see you next Saturday on WLEE News Talk 990 AM at 10 o'clock. Take care.